Oh, I won. I looked down at my three tickets of place, win, and show. This was my first time betting on a horse at the horse races. I was a little kid, and my grand my grandparents had taken me to Louisiana Downs, and my horse had won. I was so happy, and my grandfather smiled at me. He said, yeah, it feels good to be a winner. And my grandmother, in her usual way, looked down at me and said, yeah, if you're the jockey. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So stick with me um, and as we make it on the flip. And I want to talk to you about, are you the horse or the jockey? I was so excited that I had won on my very first race. Now, if you're wondering, yes, I was a little kid, and at the time, they allowed children in. No, I could not place the bet. My grandfather placed it for me. And yes, I placed on all three possibilities because I did not understand about betting, and I wanted to make sure that my horse had every opportunity. Now, I want to say that I I think I remember my horse being some name like something like Ali Ali Umkin Free um, something, um, but I don't know because it's it's fuzzy. But I think it was something like Ali Ali Umkin Free or something like that. And to this day, I always get a, a little tickle of being able to go back and have that fond memory. But you know what? It was my grandmother's sense of humor that really stuck with me. You know, she always had that slight little tilt of um, whimsy and darkness (laughs) of how she viewed the world. And I want to say, I think I maybe sort of kind of might have inherited that from her. You see, I would go on to, as a young adult, uh, go and see this movie that um, starred... Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, and it was called Men in Black. Now, I'm sitting in the theater, and I have had a grand old time, only to be like so sad that uh, Will Smith and his love interest don't seem to you know, make it when he has to do the little flash bulb. But then there's this ending, and At the ending, you see him uh, grabbing a hot dog from a stand and he turns around and makes chit-chat and gives it to the lady who was the love interest. And they get in the car and they drive off. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. But then the car, um, there is an overhead view and it zooms out and it continues to zoom out until you see the neighborhood, then you see uh, the uh, the earth, then you see the Milky Way galaxy and its wonderful spiral. You see even a, a little spaceship <laughs> and it blows out to where, boom, it's a little marble. But not only is it a little marble, it's a little marble that some alien being is playing marbles with. And it shows the being picking up that marble and another one and placing it back in a bag with other marbles that look like other worlds and galaxies. And I wasn't ready for it, y'all. I'm like, whoa. And at that moment, my smallness was on display. And it gave me a little pause. So, you know, of course, I'm loyal. I go and I see Men in Black number two. And then there is that la 
soccer scene at the end. Now, I hope I'm not giving any spoilers. Y'all, these movies are old. If you have not seen them yet, shame on you. Uh, and plus, I can't be held responsible for spoiling anything. So in Men in Black 2, they have this locker scene <laughs> where they go to the airport looking for someone and there is this 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 world of little people or town or whatever and uh when they open it up the little people uh, assume that um that they are gods and all hell jay and all of this kind of stuff so they revisit that at the end and i'm like oh that's really cute and it's kind of like a play on the marble kind of thing from uh, the first one. And so I'm like, oh, so not only, you know, are we small, but there are even smaller beings. And so they're about to leave. And, uh, you know, Jay says, Jay says, I think it's M, sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> Will Smith says, says to Tommy Lee Jones, he's like, that's just sad. You know, why don't we take them out of that locker that's pitiful and let them know that the world is bigger than what they think. And Tommy Lee, you know, Jones's character says, you just don't get it, do you? And they stand in front of this this um, door that says, do not enter, all in, you know, red and everything, danger, don't enter. And he kicks it with his foot. And the door opens, but what it is, is it's actually a locker as well. And it's a locker to a intergalactic uh, giant's world of uh, aliens. And I was like, okay, they got me good there. So it's still continuing that understanding that we all are inside of something else and working together. But I was thinking, not but, but and, so I was thinking about the uh, relationship of um, us and our surroundings and our environments. Now, when I think of horses, especially racehorses, racehorses are um, a very sensitive animal with a, a lot of uh, peculiar and definite ways that you have to treat them and all that. They are very in tune to their rider. Uh, they are feats of power, majesty, beautifulness, and all of that kind of stuff, right? Aerodynamically made and uh, so much so that um, to sire one of the winners, you know, it costs a lot of money because they pass those genes down. And I was thinking about what my grandmother has said all that time ago, uh, recently when I was, um, looking at, uh, a book that I had, uh, read a year or so ago. And, uh, the book is called, I Contain Multitudes, The Microbes Within Us, and a grander view of life by this guy by the name of Ed Young. He's actually a journalist for The Atlantic. And I remember uh, watching his TED talk, and uh, it's a cool one. Um, I just think it's really cool. Um, now, his TED talk was not the title of his book, but it was talking about zombie uh, spiders and all this kind of stuff. And the premise is, is that uh, we have inside of us our bodies, our, our biological bodies, we have uh, hundreds of millions, if not trillions, of bacteria and elements or parasites, if you want to call them that, that are not necessarily us, but are us. And they help our internal ecological system to work. And I was just blown away because immediately I remembered about 
the men in black uh endings and then i thought about my my grandmother's analogy of uh the horse and the jockey and i started thinking about it i was like you know what that is something now if you're looking at it uh like laterally between you and other people that meaning might mean one thing it might mean somebody is over someone else but i don't necessarily want to come from it you know, that way. I don't want to look at it as the jockey is doing anything to subvert the horse or any of that. No, I started trying to do what I have talked about before, and that is to find the multifaceted approach so that I can get a better and more robust understanding of this thing that we have going on with these um, parasites and stuff that we didn't know anything about until recently. Now I'm going to come back to the microbes and what has become known as the microbiome in a minute, but I just really kind of want to talk about this whole horse and jockey situation. So I've uh, read uh, (laughs) murder mysteries surrounded uh, by um, uh, racing tracks and um, I've uh, watched documentaries about the horses, always been fascinated about these animals and the jockeys who ride them. And of course, the jockeys have to be, you know, slight of statue and uh, have to really kind of have a horse whisperer's sense to them to be able to bond with the horse. And I was watching something a little while ago um, where uh, one of the winningest jockeys was talking and he was talking about it really is a sport, but more so it's a symbiotic relationship that they have with the horses. And you have to be able to do it because you're not guaranteed to have the same horse in a different race on the same day. And it got me to wondering, I was like, wait a minute. I was always of the belief that a jockey and a horse were always paired together. And he was like, no, a jockey is contracted by the horse's owner to ride them for a race. So you could be, and they called it changing silks, um, like the the color uh, tops that the jockeys wear. He was like, you could be changing silks two or three times, depending on how many races are going on and how many you've been contracted for. And for them to walk up to this majestic being and form an agreement with them to race and to do their best, that blew me for a loop. And so, you know, like I said before, I I wanted to look at it as different ways and how we position ourselves in life. You know, again, most people think that um, they want to be the jockey in the relationship of power and of uh, movement. But what happens if the horse breaks free? The jockey could be killed. Going that fast with an animal that powerful, the jockey is putting his life in uh, peril every time he gets on a horse because a horse could throw him. Anything could happen. Um, another thing is, is can the horse handle the burden uh, of the jockey and vice versa? Now, before we had automobiles, they used to equate pulling power by horsepower. Now, a side note, I used to always wonder, well, why not oxen or, or you know, heavy beast of burden power? And it was because, you know, oxen were not really used in the United States like that. They were more agricultural. So they and they were slow, you know, so they would equate how uh, local, locomotive something was by horsepower. 
So you're thinking about all this horsepower of this horse, but the horse and the jockey, based on uh, what I have gleaned from these documentaries and from these books, is that the horse a lot of times depends on the jockey to keep him or her um, focused and not thinking of the burdens of being in that race. Um, you know, you've sometimes seen blinders on horses to help them to stay focused. And from what my understanding is, the jockey, that's part of their job. Um, you know, because from what I understand, not every track allows you to have blinders on a horse. And so there's a lot of stuff that the jockey is responsible for that the horse can't do. So I was starting to see that there was a lot of different kind of symbiotic stuff happening. And, or even this, what if the jockey turns out to be the parasite that is latched on to the horse, seducing the horse to run? You know, uh, like I said before, I was trying to go in all these different ways and I've already hopefully established that I'm quirky and I now allow myself to do what I do and think the way I think. And I'm willing to share it with y'all in a bit of vulnerability, you know, um, I, I and I was like, you know, ooh, that's something. So if it's a parasite, that's one thing. But what if they are able to both interchangeably change their dominance, their parasitic nature on each other, depending on as the need arises. There are different things you got to do in the course of that event to make it work or to win. And I am not going to say that I know a horse's mind and that um, a horse doesn't care whether he or she wins or not. No, I'm not going to say that. And so what I'm what I'm getting at is that <laughs> when I came to the end of where I wanted to stop musing, I was like, you know what? I don't think the question is, are you the horse or the jockey? I think the question is, can you be both? You know, can you be the rider and the propulsion, the, the one who propels the power? You know, can you do both? Now, Going back to the microbes and the microbiome, I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, that is just too geeky. But I get so excited. I'm telling you, I get really excited about this whole study of uh, the microbiome. And what it is, is it's just a nice way of encapsulating all of the bacteria, and even the viruses and all that stuff that is inside of us. And talking about this book, I Contain Multitudes uh, by Ed Young, he makes a very important statement whenever he gives a talk. You can Google him or whatever, and he gives some great talks. But he says there is no such thing as a good or a bad micro um, biome, you know, micro. He was like, they are what they are. And I was like, okay, that that makes sense. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. That makes sense. And some of the examples like he gives in the book and um, and things, he is mainly presenting it as the animal kingdom. And like, oh my gosh, <laughs> some of the examples, they are not nice. So just be forewarned. This is not a kid's level book. Okay, you guys. But they are very insightful. 
So some of the parasites, like the ones most people are familiar with, uh, the toxicomsis, I always mess that up, but it's the parasite that you get uh, that is usually carried by a cat. And they have said that that uh, people who are infected with this parasite, uh, especially men, if they are infected, they did studies and show that women view these men as more masculine and more of a leader if they have that parasite. And so I was reading this uh, article. It's in the Huffington Post, and I, I think I'll I think I'll drop it in. Yeah, what I'll do is I will drop it in the uh, show notes so you guys can have it too. And it was really cool because it was talking about. Um, the this microbiome and that you might think that you're in love, but it could be that it is your microbiology at work where you are attracted to someone because they are the opposite compatibility of what you got going on inside of you. And I had already read that article and that's what was part of the reason why I picked up this book, I Contain Multitudes. And it was just, it was really out there. Now, y'all bear with me. This part can be a little grody, but I think it's important um, because I am just fascinated with how much we might think that we are in control when it's not necessarily the case that we are in complete control. Okay, so they've been doing this study and uh, Ed Young does, you know, talk about it. Um, and um, it's it's something that a lot of parents are looking into now, but it's called fecal transplant. Yes, you heard me right, fecal, yeah, fecal. And what they have found is, is if people don't have a certain mixture of microbes inside of them, then they can have more propensity um, to have uh, more infections and things like that. And so they started out by doing uh, fecal transplants to help people uh, with certain um, digestive issues. And they found that they had a 98% uh, rate so much so that the people doing it took the the patients off of antibiotics and things like that. And I was like, that is crazy. But it gets even deeper, y'all. So now parents are looking at it because studies are now showing that our microbiome makeup is so important that they are doing studies now where they're showing that by using a fecal transplant, it could reduce, no, not could, it has been reducing about 50% of the occurrence of autism symptoms in children. I was like, you have got to be crazy. So think about this. We have this, this whole world inside of us that's so minuscule, we cannot see it without the help of very powerful microscopes. They said just in your mouth alone, there are hundreds of millions of these things in your mouth. And that's not just, you know, when you don't brush your teeth, period, not in. On your skin, there are things no matter how much you scrub. So, you know, so much so. Um, I watched, like I said before, I, I was just enamored 
with this subject. And if you catch Ed Young on one of his talks, you will see his passion about it too. So I was watching one where he actually went uh, to a laboratory and was interacting with uh, um, a lab animal who was sterile, meaning that no by uh, no, no bacteria, none of that stuff was in it, on it or anything, just a totally sterile one. And they found that the lab animals, bone structure, everything about that animal was uh, debilitated, fragile, and not up to par with what was, is regular. And so I thought about that and I was like, hmm. Now, I, like I said, my grandmother, she was brilliant. I love the way she looked at stuff. And um, from time to time, she would say, you know, things in comparison to get you to think about stuff. But for whatever reason, that statement of horse or jockey stuck with me. And um, I looked at it and I was just like, I always thought on the surface that, oh, I don't want to be the horse. I don't want anybody riding me. I don't want anybody, you know, uh, manipulating me and all this kind of stuff. And um, that got me through until recently, while I'm now looking at this whole world of the microbiome. And that's microbiome, M-I-C-R-O-B-I-O-M-E, microbiome. And it's about the microbial level of bacteria. Now, of course, I did check out some scary stuff. Um, and I was, I, I, it wasn't in, in, re, in relation to the micros, but it is it's very much in relation to it. So I was curious about the superbugs and all the stuff that they say um, that we are coming up against. And uh, there was, um, uh, there was a report put out by the CDC and some others. And then I found a um, video where they uh, talked about the history, um, the first uh penicillin shot given. Um, and it used to be that when you got a scratch, if it became infected, you basically died. Uh, but when they gave the guy the, the penicillin, he got better. The only problem is, is they only had five days worth of penicillin at the particular hospital where he was, and he died after that. And But now we know that usually it takes about 10 days rotation for the, you know, the bacteria to, to be conquered. Now, the thing that I learned about this is, is that particular bacteria is conquered, but it's not completely killed. So much so that the remaining bacteria learn, grow, and share. Yes, learn, grow, and share. And so I was like, you mean to tell me we are having Star Wars galactic battles in our body every day? And that's what that um, little documentary told me. It was like, yeah, basically you are. And it's kind of like whoever is the strongest and the most agile is the one that's going to win. So when we are talking about white blood cells and all this kind of stuff, to be honest with you, based on what they are learning now about our microbiome, they're really getting helped by the coding that these bacteria are telling our body. Um, they are looking at research on how the microbiome can be um, assisted or studied to help with uh, cancer, you know, tumorous growths. And it just goes on and on. Now, I know y'all are saying she is geeking out. Why am I listening about a horse, a jockey, and some bacteria? I'm going to tell you why. Listen, I'm going to tell you <laughs> the reason why. The reason why is because 
just like that Men in Black movie, the movie endings from one, for, for parts one and two, we are not the, the end-all be-all. We are part of a bigger world and a smaller world. And they have said, based on this, this, this lab experiment and other things that they are continuing to learn and grow every day, that the microbes that live within us, we are it, their universe and their home, that they are helping to shape who we are. And, and we're not necessarily the ones in control. They have proven that based on what your composite is, you can be attracted to a certain person. Um, they even used uh, little statements that we say, and we didn't even realize what we were saying. Like, what is it that you see in her or him? You know, how are they compatible? And those things can be answered on the scientific level of the microbes going on in either party and how attracted you are. How many studies have they done where they have proven that you can pick out compatible pairs by smell, you know, by scent? It just goes on and on and on. And so I'm I'm talking about this today um, because what we are doing now with a lot of the choices we are making um, is either helping or hindering us to have a healthy relationship with a good biome and a bad one. You know, now they've, uh, I also went and looked at this research of, can you change your biome? And you can, but it's not like you're just going to overnight take some probiotics and change your gut health like um, some of the commercial products would have you believe. No, it takes more of a lifestyle of you making changes and doing them on a consistent basis for that to happen. And another thing is, is that there are certain microbiomes that are uh, present in certain physical regional locations of the world that it's just, that's going to be what it is because of the water content, the building materials, the air quality, the soil composition, and all of that. Um, and this is not a fear thing or anything like that, but they are talking about um, the fact that now most of the foods, not just meats, but the foods we consume have antibiotics in them. And that is because the meats are have the antibiotics and then the manure in the meats that grow the, the, the veggies and the fruits and stuff have the antibiotics. So it doesn't matter if you're vegan or not, you're still getting them. And in different parts of the world where there are different legal uh, ramifications of what can be uh, grown and sold, your biome is different from someone else's. And so they are looking at, wow, <laughs> there might become come a time where you, your behavior is predicated on not what your mind thinks you're doing, but based on your internal colonization of microbes running the show. So again, I want to ask, are you the horse? Are you the jockey? Um, I'm going to say that at this particular time, I would say we are both. We are a mechanism where we need and depend on each other to get where to get to where we're going and to do do what we're doing. And I'm also going to say this part. And that is in whatever um we find ourselves doing in this life, you know, and whether it be, you know, career-wise, calling-wise or whatever that is. 
the biggest takeaway, the biggest wisdom smack I've got, you know, and like I said, I am fascinated with these little microbes right now, y'all, okay, is that they show me that we are all one. So much so that they have said these microbes make compatibilities and rejections more probable on so many different levels because the very fact that they can take fecal matter and transport it from one person to another and have that other person's fecal matter fix stuff in folks' health, that lets me know that we are all connected and not just we as humans. I am talking about every part of our existence is all one. And I mean, it's to me, it's just screaming from the rooftops. So let me give you my little final on, on, on what I'm talking about here and, and why this is so fascinating. It is because to me, I am finding that instead of there being an up or a down or somebody is um, above somebody or something or, or, or other, that's not the case. What it is, is that we are in a harmonious flow where what, sometimes we are able to be the leader, the person projecting our power, and sometimes we are the follower or even the beast of burden, where we are assisting and helping uh, a person or an entity do what it needs to. Don't believe me? Ask folks that have that parasite from the cat. (laughs) I mean, it is what it is. And because of that, it's a very thinking about this holistic thing of how we're integrated with everything around us, it is a very humbling thing, but it's a very magnificent thing. And so when I looked at this and I thought about it, I finally said, you know what? That statement, you are not alone, has never been more real than it is now. I'm going to tell you, wherever you go, you got trillions of little uh, inhabitants with you. Don't fool yourself. You are never alone. And so much so that you might be thinking you're calling the show, but nope, they're calling the show. So that is the wonderful world of uh, microbes in a snapshot. And I am just so glad that you have made it with me to this point, because guess what? Yep. My time is up and I thank you for yours. And this has been Michelle Spiva with another episode of Wisdom Smack. Thank you so much. And don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, and comment. And if you would please use our Amazon link that takes you directly to Amazon for all your shopping at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. And you guessed it. I'm going to see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, 
please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.